Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trading Desk Podcast. My name is Joshua Thanos, and today's guest is an international celebrity, uh, a guy who took uh, the Middle East by storm this week, and that's uh, Michael Manjos. Hey, Mike, how are you? <laughs> hey, Josh, how you doing? I don't know about international celebrity, but uh, we had a lot of fun in Dubai, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah. Well, I I, I heard uh, some funny stories, and I watched uh, the YouTube coverage. I didn't have a chance to make it out. It was suspiciously during Thanksgiving, so uh, so I didn't, I didn't even think about trying to make a run at going out there. Um, it was a little odd pain, having but, it over Thanksgiving, but yes, we were there for Thanksgiving. Uh, my, my wife was not the happiest on the planet that I was in right. Dubai for Thanksgiving, but uh, you know, we made it work. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, today's episode is just going to be uh, basically your recap. I know there's some really great stories. You, you met some amazing watchmakers and had some one-on-ones with them. So we'll be we'll be chatting about that. But um, as always, we'll start with our, wrist, our customary wrist check. So uh, I can guess what you have on the wrist, but why don't you go ahead and confirm it? <laughs> of course, you can guess I'm still wearing my Batman. I wore it. Yeah. Uh, so nice to have a GMT function when you're nine hours away. So uh, it actually is functional, and uh, I love it, and everybody recognizes it. Uh, it's kind of my regular – I did wear my paddocks while I was there as well. I brought oh, nice. Paddocks. You have a uh, – 5135 uh, J. That's right. Annual calendar. Nice. And, uh, got a little fancy. I had, yeah, I got a little fancy. Well, we were dressed because it's definitely fancier over there. Uh, oh, yeah. At least for the first couple of days, I was actually in a suit, no tie, but I wore a suit. Ah, well. Yeah, I, I'm anti-tie, so I appreciate you not wearing a tie. <laughs> uh, and uh, all right, well, so on the wrist today, I'm wearing a watch that I feel like I love more and more every day. And it's it's my first Grand Seiko. It's the SBGA 211, the Snowflake, full titanium, titanium bracelet, amazing Snowflake dial, uh, time and date function with the spring drive movement and uh, like – I haven't, I have yet to put this watch on and say, no, not today. You know, like, you know, sometimes in the morning when you're, when you're going to run out, you're going to put a certain watch on, right? Like, I'm not going to wear this watch if I want to try to, I guess, impress people or whatever it may be. Like if I, if I want to wear a watch that people know what it is, or, you know, I want people to ask about it, I probably won't wear this watch, but for everyday wear, um, just running around town and whatnot, this is, uh, this is my favorite watch. It feels amazing. It, uh, I think Tim calls it a Japanese date just. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great watch. I know you're kind of starting to come around to Grand Seiko, right? I am. I am. They're still a little plain for me, but maybe one of the blue sure. dials I'd go for. All right, cool. Yeah. They make uh, with the sky flake and there's lots of really funky blue dials. So maybe that'll be on your Christmas list. Maybe <laughs> someone will buy that for you, but, um, all right, cool. So let's get started. So, uh, so Manjos, this week was Dubai watch week, which essentially, has overtaken Basel World as as like the the number one watch show, right in the world. Would you would you yeah, say that's right? Or I would say it probably is now, and only because um, you know a couple things that are really different. If anyone's been to Basel, you know Basel was really built for retailers, and you know we would go and have meetings, and everybody had these massive booths. But it wasn't really conducive to the public going. You could go as the public, but you couldn't get inside any of the booths. So you'd basically just stick your nose against the window. Um, you know, they'd hand you a catalog outside and that was about it. So it wasn't really terribly engaging. Uh, people did go, but 
you know, there wasn't, it wasn't great and it wasn't great for the retailers even so over the years. Um, this is a very different environment. It's basically outdoors. So you're in this big circle on top of what they call the DIFC or the International Financial Center. It's kind of like their Wall Street area. Um, and yes, now there are big brands. I mean, this was the first year Rolex was there. I mean, second time Rolex was there it was the first time AP was there. Um, and they had these massive booths and, uh, you know, you have Hublot, you had Tudors, so you have a lot of the big brands. And then in the middle room, it has two basic aisles and there's about 40 brands in there. And, you know, each have a little showcase and a little stand and it's wide open. So you can just kind of walk up and down and walk right up to the booths and the watchmakers are there themselves. So, you know, you can go up and just chat with them, talk to them, show them, look at their watches. They'll invite you in to sit down. Um, and it's a real open environment. And again, it was there from Wednesday to Sunday and we're there from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Wow. Peace. That's that's quite a schedule. It was quite a schedule, especially since we had to get goods delivered. So we were there from about eight in the morning till 10 o'clock every night. Um, Jeez. But we had a super, we had our own booth on the outside. Uh, we were mm -hmm. right across from AP and kind of had an elevated setup. And we had a bar outside and we did coffee in the morning and then we would serve drinks at night. And, you know, we had a DJ at night and it just turned into a whole uh, kind of fun evening every night um but i think the the thing that made it the best is that everybody just kind of wanders around all day and you know they might be working at their booth but you know everyone takes a break and walks around and you'll just see random people walking by you know the the ceo of rolex was walking around one day and uh you know just taking a stroll just taking a stroll you know you can go say hi to defor and then you know fp wandered into the booth one day and you know all these guys are around yeah now i mean it was just bizarre and he is like a rock star there so oh, just man. the engagement on the you know seeing all these people around everybody's there for days they also have like they have hand master classes so you can go take a watchmaking class um they have um a whole hub where they have talks going on. They have a big stage area where they do special events. Um, so it's just activity nonstop. Spectacular food, which is the other thing Basel did not have. Mm. I mean, they have a they have a setup called a company called Salt. Okay, and it's basically a Middle Eastern Shake Shack. It's fantastic. Ah, oh, wow! Great burgers, chicken, fries. I mean, it's like I had it three days in a row. It's addictive. And then Cipriani's has a setup there. So, Ooh. you know, yes, very nice food. And there's a million restaurants. So it's a, just a great environment of everyone just kind of hanging out during the day. That's amazing. So and it was an international crowd. Like you're seeing people from all over the world. Yeah. I mean, um, the only thing we did not get was not a lot of the Asian market this time because mm -hmm. they're still having a lot of quarantines, you know, in Hong Kong and China. You know, you can't really get in and out. So while we had a lot of international, you know, you had a lot of European, you had a lot of, um, you know, London, you had USA, you had everybody else. And obviously, mm -hmm. you know, all over the Gulf. Um, 
but just not too much uh, in the Asian market. Interesting. Okay. All right. And so, um, so who who puts this show on? Right. Like, who's in charge here? So it is run by Siddiqui. So okay. they are the biggest uh, retailer uh, in the Middle East. You know, they mm-hmm. own the biggest Rolex store in the world. They have 17 stores in the Dubai Mall, you know, all mono brand boutiques. Um, you know, it's a huge company. The family has been around for 70 years doing this. Um, and they're extremely well known and respected uh, as a retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also opening in Saudi Arabia. Um, that was the other thing that was fascinating to me was we have a lot of fans uh, in Saudi Arabia. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I wow. had guys well, walking up to me, introducing themselves and going, hey, back in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a funny story. My dad used to live in Saudi Arabia and he made some friends there. And uh, somebody recently sent him an email asking, hey, uh, are you are you the father of, of, of Thanos, of Joshua Thanos? So <laughs> he was so he like he couldn't believe it. He's like, I, I think I, I somebody from that. I used to, you know, a, a Saudi knows who you are. So, yeah, I mean, I know the Saudis are big into watches, apparently. And I have big a few into watches, in Saudi, but big into watches and like super friendly. I mean, could not have been more excited to come in and say hi and. You know, take pictures with Tim and pictures with me, and it was just really wild to see how many, uh, you know, guys followed our stuff on a daily, you know, daily and weekly basis. So they all knew who Watchbox was, and you know, we were the only brand there who was not a primary manufacturer. So you know, we were kind of like everybody. Yeah, everybody was kind of popping in to check us out. Um, you know, a lot of people for the first time, but a lot of people now, because we had the store there for two years, mm-hmm. um, just wanted to see what we had. And we were also a place where we could try on stuff. So we had a ton uh-huh. of Rolex. We had a ton of, you know, APs. We had a lot of nice Richard Meals. And it's just so people were coming in just, you know, trying on watches, hanging out, talking. We did, you know, trading some stuff, but it's technically not a commercial event. It's just to introduce and meet people, uh, sure. which was great fun. I'm sure if somebody twisted your arm. You were okay to sell. I was okay. We might have walked him downstairs to do a deal. Yes. Uh, cool. That's amazing. So, uh, so the crew you were with was uh, I know CQ was there. Tim was there. Who else from from Watchbox was there? Uh, Justin, uh, you know our CEO, right. Danny Godberg. Um, right. All the video guys were there. So they had the whole filming crew. Caroline, uh, you know our marketing team was there. So we had a we had about a dozen of us over there, which wow, was kind presence. of fun. And then the crew um, from Dubai as well. Okay. Yeah, the staff there. Staff there, that's, exactly. That's tremendous. And any notable celebrities outside the watch world? Um, Will I Am was there. Kevin oh. O'Leary was there. Both of those, them were on a panels. Oh, um, the 5011 guy. Yeah, he was that's doing um, a crypto talk. They had a big oh. crypto panel. Because it's very big in the Middle East, and you know a lot of guys who are into crypto or into watches. So interesting. That's it, that's a funny story. He was on uh, this is like three or four years ago. He was on the Christmas episode of Shark Tank, and he said that the watch he's been coveting is the fifty eleven seven. So, <laughs> so ever, if I ever meet him, I gotta ask him about. You gotta that. give him a hard time about his fifty eleven seven. 
Oh, God. I mean, he's been waiting for it. I don't know if he'll ever get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he seems like a big watch guy. I know I've seen him. That's cool. Did you, did you actually get to talk to any of these, any of these folks? Or I didn't or, meet uh, him. Uh, he was only hmm. in for one day. But, I mean, we got to meet a lot of um, what I consider fascinating people. I mean, the first day I was there, um, I got introduced. Um, you know, there was an older gentleman sitting on our deck because we had a nice little, like, patio outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a, our own little barista making coffees all day. So everybody would come up and have coffee with us. And, uh, uh, Patrick Hoffman, who's, uh, from our Swiss office right. said, you know, do you know who that is? And I was like, I don't have any idea. And a little, little old guy sitting in the corner having a cup of coffee. And he goes, let me introduce you. And he brings me over and it's Alon Silverstein. Oh, <laughs> and to oh, me growing God. up in the eighties and nineties, it's like that guy was so cool and cutting edge. You know, back in his day, um, that I was like, "Oh my God, this is fantastic!" So, you know, I went over and chit chatted, and we talked for like half an hour and had a cup of coffee. And then, basically, every day he was coming over, like two or three times a day, and uh, we became quite friendly over uh, four or five days. Oh my God, he's the and I say this in a very positive manner because I love Doctor Seuss, but he's the Doctor Seuss of the Watch World. Like yes. it's whimsical, it's wacky. I I, I remember seeing my first line, uh, Elaine Silverstein watch when I worked for Watch You Want, probably back like 2013. And I'm thinking like this thing is amazing, and they were literally trading for like fifteen hundred dollars, which is certainly not the case anymore. Um, but no, such it, cool watches. Yeah, and he's really he's definitely made a comeback because he did uh, collaboration with Louis Girard last year that mm-hmm. was quite successful. Um, and he's actually doing six more collaborations next year. So wow. he was telling me a little bit about those. And apparently uh, he's working with somebody who's writing the book uh, that they're going to release at Watches and Wonders next year, which is going to show every reference he ever made. Wow. So it's so be is like, his brand still active? No. So active. he the brand shut down, I think, in 2000. Um, but he's basically, you know, doing some collaborations and doing some partnerships with people and, um, you know, still doing a few things. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, the secondary market values and, uh, he was teaching me how to identify, uh, and authenticate them because apparently there were some fakes. He was telling me a lot of fakes came out of China. Yeah. Well, because they were kind of, the, the movements were somewhat basic. It was more about the dials and the hands and stuff. So um, I ha- I've actually seen online some fakes. Like uh, when we were first we were being offered these watches, I was looking at trying to find references, and I find websites that are selling fake Alain Silverstein watches. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's so wild. But I mean, I, well, I'd say that if you were ever to make a comeback, like like right now is the is the best time to do something like that. I mean, he's got a he's got a name. He's got watches that people would absolutely um, they would uh, you know people people would really be interested in and and you know you make you make some small runs i think he could really do do some damage i have no doubt and i mean i think uh you know this is certainly the to your point it's also a great price point i mean he was always in kind of that three or four thousand dollar price range mm-hmm. um the watches were mostly made in france i learned um, yeah so i was you know getting lessons on that and you know it was just it was fun to meet somebody who you know I knew his watches, but never knew the man and never had really seen him. So I would have walked right past him, but it was, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity to sit and chat. And there was a lot of that. So, I mean, the, 
the other one who was probably uh, my favorite to actually meet was Recepi. Um, oh. Yeah. So wow. he, he was there. Obviously, you know, in our world, you know, heading towards legend. I mean, the kid is definitely probably the most uh, revered young watchmaker. Um, and he's a kid. I mean, he's young. Um, I think he might yeah, be. Like, is, is in, yeah, I think he's 29 or 30 when I Right, exactly. The guy. Um, and, you know, he had two watches there. Um, and it was just amazing. I mean, and again, it's a little display in a showcase and he's sitting behind it. So, you know, I went up and I chatted with him and we ended up. So our first wrap up show, we were doing a CQ and I were doing a wrap up show every day. Uh, and our first one, we kind of picked like our four, four favorite watches of the day. Um, and his was one of them, obviously. Um, and all he wanted to tell me about was the new one he's coming out with because it's better. And <laughs> oh. and the crown's a little bigger because it's easier to wind, and it's got mm. the, I mean just like twenty minutes of why he's making it better, and you know he's obsessed with just trying to make a three hand watch perfect, and it was incredible to talk to him and see his acrivia piece, mm-hmm. and then see the new pieces that are under his name. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, which was really interesting because you That's know English. basically. His English is, you know, he's from Kosovo, um, so oh. he's got a pretty heavy accent, but very good English. Um, you know, he's been in Switzerland since he was young because um, mm-hmm. his family moved there during the war. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just a great story. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's just an amazing guy and super humble. Um, yeah, he seems like it, just like a real chill individual. Yeah, just real chill. On watches. Yeah, he's going to make 45 watches this year, which, you know, obviously not a lot. No. So is yeah. he making making them himself or does he have a team or Uh it's himself. He has his bro- he has a brother, which I didn't know, mm-hmm. uh who also works there. So Do we know again, his the young brother's brother. name or I can't remember. I got introduced, <laughs> but yeah, no, I missed that one. I'm so good with names. Uh, but yeah, he has a brother and got a small team, but you know, a small team because it's only 45 pieces, so Wow. It was pretty cool. But the well, detail and the attention to detail was incredible. And it was fun just to, you know, again, in our little world, he's kind of legendary. Um, Already, yeah. Yeah, at a young age. He's, so, I mean. Young Jorn is how I've I've heard him kind of be described. Not not from a personality standpoint, but from creativity and a, and a engineering standpoint. Like, though his watches, I guess, have, in a lot of ways, a, a higher level of finishing. I mean, you're only making 45 watches. So, yes, you know. It's uh, it's easy to be to to do that, but I mean, some of his watches are just outrageous. Um, that's it's amazing, and that's one thing you know. It, this kind of renaissance that we're going through, in 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 terms of kind of the watch world and how things are are moving, like it, it allows for a guy like this to like ten years ago, this guy could have been making watches and nobody would have cared. Nobody would have cared. And the thing yeah. that was interesting was talking to him because I asked him. I said, you know, why. With a, a Crivier and now why under your name? Um, yeah. And he was very honest about it. He said, like, when I started, I didn't have a lot of confidence that anybody would want to buy a watch under my name. <laughs> um, so he thought he needed a brand uh, that someone would relate to. Um, and then after 2018, he decided that 
you know, he had gotten some recognition and people had heard of him and somebody convinced him, uh, you know, one of his mentors to, he should put his own name on it. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, having the craftsman on the dial, I think that's, that's a, a huge deal right now for a marketing standpoint, but also just from, you know, if uh, having a connection with the watch, right. So like if I'm buying a watch, I like the idea of the guy who dreamt it up, designed it and possibly made the watch his name's on the dial. I think that's, that's part of why Jorn is so popular for that. Reason. No, I completely agree with you. And I think you saw a lot of that there because literally um, right next to him uh, was Konstantin Chenkin. Oh, yes. Russian. Very, very Russian. Very not a lot of English. <laughs> oh, nice. But I went well, I to test out some of my Russian. Yeah, I also, you know, I think his stuff's kind of wacky and cool. Um, it's amazing. And I also he made the, um, the, minion. the minion watch. Yes. So I, I couldn't find a price point. You, you know how much he was selling that watch for? Uh, I hope it's I, expensive. I hope it's like outrageously expensive. I don't think it's outrageously expensive, but I think it's kind of similar to like his regular stuff, which is like, I think 30, 35,000 US. <laughs> oh God. I saw it. Uh, somebody, somebody online compared it to the, um, the, the Black Panther watch from AP and said, this is the watch what we actually wanted and deserve. Was the watch. <laughs> it was great. But I mean, he was, oh. I mean, his stuff is wacky and cool. And, you know, he just happened to be right next door. So I got to see him. Um, and then um, next to them was Maurice Grossman, which mm. again, uh, you know, I got to meet the CEO who I've spoken to German, a couple of times. Right? Yep. German from Glass Shoot. Um, mm. Very cool stuff. Uh, I mean, very small. I mean, they make about, I think, 225 watches this year. Wow. Um, beautiful finish. Just, again, like we never see them in the States. Um, mm. Or at least yeah. I don't. I mean, you know, I can't remember that we ever traded one. Um, mm -mm. But some of their movements are fantastic. And they did a new engraved dial, which was basically a cutaway, uh, which wow. was incredible. Um, and really nice quality. They're just don't seem terribly great at marketing um, mm. and don't have that same story connection. I mean, I think part of what they uh, lack is, you know, I don't think there's a Maurice Grossman there who's, uh, you know, cranking these things out. So to your point, I think people do feel the connection when someone's name's on the dial that they can go meet and talk to and, you know, sure. understand that part of it. So that was, yeah. you know, great to see this stuff in person. Cause I never really got the opportunity to do that. Um, but definitely didn't have that same cachet that Rexup had or some of the other guys. The other one I loved, I got introduced to, was uh, Ludwig Bollard. Oh, yes. With the, the um, upside-down numerals. Yes. Those are insane. And I saw that uh, Tim did some reviews on those watches. Those are tremendous as well. Like Absolutely tremendous. I mean, the dial and the – I mean, the, the back of the movements that he does and the dials, he had a, uh, a lapis dial piece there that was just gorgeous. Oh my. And then, yeah. and then again, I asked him. I said, "You know, how many pieces are you going to produce this year?" And he looks at me straight faced and he says, 12. And I'm like, "Twelve? <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, it takes about a month." Oh my god! <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Okay, I guess that makes sense." He said, "Yeah, just me and my wife." Uh, oh my god! Yeah, that's, that's his whole company is him and his wife, uh, and he makes twelve watches a year. I don't know how you, you know, I guess you could make a living doing that, but I mean. I guess. I mean, well, it depends on. I mean, they're not inexpensive. Know. I mean, I think they were like eighty-five to ninety thousand. 
U.S. So, you know, I guess it makes sense. But the thing that was amazing also you start thinking about it was, you know, he did a watch for only watch. It's like, you know, you just gave up about, uh, you know, eight and a half percent of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for a charity auction. Yeah. For a charity auction, which is awesome. But, you know, that's a big commitment. Uh, that's interesting. So, uh, and well, I mean, so he doesn't have authorized dealers. I don't, I, I couldn't imagine. Nope. He? Nope. He just deals directly with consumers. And I think that's what um, the other thing that you got the feeling was that this is the direction that most of these guys are going to go. If you're only making, you know, 45 watches, 12 watches, you know, even 200, uh, do you really need a dealer network anymore? Or can you just connect? directly with the clients. And I think that's what, you know, talking to yeah. a lot of these people, um, you know, I had the, we also met with uh, Louis Monet. Um, oh, yes. A, a very underrated brand that doesn't trade as nearly as strong as they need to, or as they should based on. Yep. Their, very their cool. I mean, the aesthetic is not my taste per se, but very cool. You like, like the, uh, the oil rig watch. The- <laughs> <laughs> they're just big. Weird. I mean, they're a little, a little big there. and a little loud for my taste. But well, they pick some strange themes. I remember we because we talked to was it the CEO did a Zoom yes. with us and he was explaining like the history of Louis Erard and why they pick like they have like some space theme watches and then they all, like they have this like these oil rig and, and he he sold it pretty well. Like I can't remember now. Obviously, it didn't it didn't impress me enough for me to remember why. But he had a reason why they do an oil rig watch and it is definitely interesting. But I don't think I'd wear one. Right. But, you know, again, interesting to see and uh, understand what they're doing there. Uh, The other one that really surprised me um, Mm -hmm. was I got introduced to the uh, owner of Bove, uh, Pascal Rafi. Yes. Hmm. And he's very good friends with Patrick Hoffman. Um, Okay. And again, I've, you know, I know about this much about uh, Bove. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what an engaging guy. I mean, just literally, he was in the pharmaceutical industry, sold his company in 2000, um, was basically bored, um, always loved watches and found Bove and bought the company and has been rebuilding it and is very proud to tell you he has 69 artisans um, <laughs> and everything is manufactured in-house and really? does all the engraving, does all the enameling, makes his own dials, makes his own cases. I mean, it was truly impressive. And the quality when you get into it is amazing. Um, again, it's a very specific aesthetic. These convertible watches, you know, becomes a clock. Right. But his passion, you can't help but getting sucked in a little bit because he was just when he was talking about it and the process they go through and what they do. And uh, he's just really an engaging guy. And it kind of reminded me of like kind of old school big brands where, you know, the paddocks and the Vacherons in the world when they were starting, they would just hire artists who would do engravings and do dials and do enameling and do all those special techniques um, and they were basically just coordinating artisans, and that's what he's really doing. Um, and he bought the original Beauvais Castle. I mean, it was just a great story, and we got an invite, which is even better. So, <laughs> oh, interesting. <All laughs> Next right, time so we're, we're in we Geneva, gonna... we're going to Beauvais to hang out with Pascal and the family. Ah, are we gonna 
maybe pick up the line? Are we going to be Beauvais dealers? Uh, I don't know. But uh, we're certainly talking. I mean, he's going to help us out with some of our pre-owned uh, watches and he'll help us out with service. And, you know, Ooh. we had a really good, you know, he's uh, authentication and straps and all the stuff that causes problems with some of these small brands. Uh, right. It was very well, I helpful. Know that I think I have one customer who's ever bought a Bovee for me. Like it's not, a, there's not a lot of demand, I feel like, around the brand, but it's super unique. It, it's a weird aesthetic that I don't love personally. Like I've never well, looked at a Bovee and said, I got to buy this. That's always been my opinion as well. But again, yeah. as you get into it and it's explained, I start appreciating it more. Um, yeah. It's really big in the Russian market. And I think that's right. primarily where his distribution yeah. was. Uh, some cousins who like Bovee. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, yeah. But he's made some changes and, you know, it's definitely, you know, shrunk. But he's doing about 1,500 watches a year. Oh, okay. So small, yeah. so about, like Moser. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And okay. uh, the Moser brothers spent a lot of time with us as well. Yeah. Which was great. Sure you guys had fun with them. Oh, yeah. They were at our booth every night having drinks and, you know, <laughs> putting on the show as they normally do. Yeah. That was great fun. Huh. And, uh, you know, the other thing that was fun that was just like you start appreciating, first of all, I mean, the response to Watchbox is completely different than it was two years ago because two years ago nobody really knew who we were sure, or what to make of us, uh, to be honest. And now all the independent brands wanted to come over and say hi mm -hmm. and, you know, can we help in any way and, you know, really open and willing to help us and have us help try to help them. Um, right. which is kind of nice. It was a nice change. Well, we were uh, essentially a free marketing uh, a channel for these people. You know, you have Tim do, you know, uh, some videos and, and highlight, you know, what your watch brand's all about and people start paying attention at this point. Correct. And I mean, Tim did, you know, a ton of, in I mean, he was doing interviews, you know, three and four a day um, with a yeah. lot of these guys, um, you know, and even, you know, we had Max Buser, we had, you know, the CEO of Bulgari, we had, you know, a bunch of collectors. I mean, we had a lot of really cool, there'll be so much content that's going to be out in the next month or two. Um, I mean, the studio was going nonstop, but so I think they definitely understand the importance of that. Um, but it was also great for us just to learn, you know, about some of these brands and talk to some of the guys who, you know, you don't pay attention to because they're small and, you know, yeah, we only maybe see a couple of those watches a year, so you don't invest a lot of time into getting to know it probably as much as we should. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to have that opportunity, uh, you know, to meet some of these guys, to spend time with them, to, you know, get a feel for what they were doing and why, which yeah. I think is the best environment there for it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty relaxing and it's outside of Switzerland too. So like, you know, I can see, from my time in Geneva and whatnot, I could be a little stuffy in Switzerland. I feel like Dubai might be a little bit more of a party. It was definitely a lot sense. more of a party and people are just friendlier by nature. I mean, I was, you know, that was the thing I noticed first when I went there two years ago was like, everybody's super friendly. I mean, I got invited to a client's house. Um, you know, I got invited out to dinner a couple of times, uh, you know, with people I just met, which was, you know, to me felt pretty cool. Wait, well, you're a celebrity. Man, yeah, <laughs> you're an international celebrity. People want to yeah, exactly. want to take a picture with you and put it on their uh, on their wall. Yes, the fangirl thing was pretty funny. There was a lot of yeah. a lot of selfies going on. 
That's amazing. So is so is Dubai Watch Week now going to be a yearly thing? Is that it's every two years? Yeah, two years. Okay, it's every two years, which is what it's always been. Um, I okay. guess they do like a small panel thing or a single event last year uh, on the off year, but the big event is every two years, and it you know it takes them about six months to do it, and it costs them right. a fortune. So I think that's why you know it's a biannual event, but really anybody can go and everybody should go because you know if you're into this and you want to learn and you want to you know spend time chatting with some of the you know biggest players in this business they're all there and it's just going to get bigger because everybody's realizing you know this is kind of the way to do it you know Mm -hmm. people definitely relate to it people love it um it's a great place to go and hang out I got to do it with uh, Mohammed Siddiqui, which is, you know, guy's amazing. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of good people, you know, in the environment there. Well, if people don't know the, you know, how important the Siddiqui family is to watch in general, I mean, they were, was Siddiqui the first authorized dealer of Rolex or one of the first or? Definitely one of the first, uh, you know, one of the earliest and certainly one of the most prominent because of the, the neighborhood and, you know, there's always been what? a lot of wealth there and a lot of, I mean, the people, the other thing that was fascinating is, I mean, everybody's wearing a watch there, obviously, mm-hmm. but like the watches you saw on a daily basis was yeah. just staggering. I mean, it's like. Blow your it, mind. Oh, yeah. And like, uh, to me, like, I guess I had this impression that it was going to be, when I first went, more gaudy watches and more like mm-hmm. all over the top stuff, but super sophisticated crowd yeah probably more now than ever i mean that's that's part of kind of what we're seeing in the entire watch world in general is that uh you know watch buyers are more sophisticated just because there's more access to information than there ever has been i mean i literally have this conversation with customers on a daily basis now that people are like oh why you know why why is uh watches are crazy like well it's demand driven and and in my opinion it's based on access to information you know, 10 years Without ago, if you wanted to get into watches, you'd have to know a friend who might, who just knows more than you. Like, how else would you learn or, you know, befriend an authorized dealer or, or a boutique staff who hopefully would know much, which it's not, not easy to find realistically even these days. But, um, you know, the access to information is so, uh, is so much easier now. So I can imagine that that, you know, the sophistication is just going to keep going. It's going to be exponential at this point. So, well, 2023, I hope that, uh, I hope that I can, I can attend too. That's something that I, I would love oh, to do. We I, definitely bring in a group next time. Cause I'm, I mean, everybody who went, I mean, just had a spectacular time minus the crazy hours. Uh, because mm-hmm. it really yeah. did get, after like four days of that, I was like, Oh my God, dude, I got to get up and do this again tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, the flight, the flight's not that bad. What is it? Is it a 10-hour flight? It was 12 going over, 14 coming back. Okay. Uh, Whatever. I'm sure sure you were first class, by the way. Oh, uh, it's only business. (laughs) Thanks to my friend at Etihad, you know, but I flew into Abu Dhabi and then had a limo ride right over. It was very nice. nice. But I was like, literally on Sunday, I was planning, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll get out of the booth. It's the last day of the show. You know, we'll be done six, seven o'clock. I got out of the booth at quarter to 10 and there was still, you know, three customers in there looking at watches. So I was like, you know, wow. peace out. But yeah, it went right to the end and it, it's busy at night. So, I mean, 
you know, during the days, you know, in the mornings we were a little quieter, but basically from about noon till 10 at night, it was pretty nonstop. And it was just fun having everybody pop in like uh, FP did pop in, which was funny as you could imagine. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's got, there's a little bit of a, I mean, you know, we were, Godberg's was an authorized dealer up until this year, along with everyone else. So I'm sure that was probably a little bit weird, but maybe, maybe that didn't come up. <laughs> it's it like, did hey, not you know, you, bro- you guys broke in. up and he just showed up. Broke up. You know? Yeah, he came in, he looked, he walked in and we had his book on the coffee table and he noticed that right away. And they looked up on the TV and his watch was on the TV and he looked <laughs> on the wall and there's a, you know, black label turbion and he, he made a little smile. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, did he did he did he thank you and Tim and and the rest he, of the team? No, for no, helping? no, 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 no. No, no, no. Looked no. around, smiled. <laughs> the guys took yeah. a couple pictures, and he was on his way. You know. Yeah, well, he's, he is rock star status. You know. Oh, I can imagine. Well, he's. Uh, I think he believes in himself. That's for sure. When I when I met him in 2017 with with Tim, that's one thing that you know the guy absolutely believes in himself, and I think he should. I mean, he's a. Oh, absolutely. He, he's like, he deserves he deserves yeah, he deserves all the all the accolades he's getting right now and all the all the attention because his watches are absolutely tremendous. So I mean there's obviously there's some of them that are probably, you know, in terms of pricing, you know, maybe a little bit overpriced, but uh maybe a little crazy, but uh you know, it <laughs> yeah. keeps going, so we'll see. And then it was great because we had, you know, we had Longopedia there, so Apple Elk oh, was with us. Right. Uh he yeah, was there buddy. filming. And, uh, and it was nice because, you know, our friends from Debethoon were coming over to visit as well. That's uh, right. You know, so it was a good – we had a big dinner one night at Cipriani's, and it was just fun to sit there with this big group of Watchbox and then, you know, see Debethoon at one end of the table and Longopedia at the other end of the table. And it was all one family. You know what I mean? It was just like – you know, it was Thanksgiving week, and it just felt like, you know, you were out with your family. And they do their things kind of independently – which is fun, mm-hmm. um, but still, you know, connected, which was great. So I really enjoyed it and couldn't imagine not going back again and bringing clients. I mean, we got to get more right. and more clients there because it'll, it's hard not to catch the bug from all right. these brands. Yeah. I, I was, I had that conversation with uh, somebody in our office as well as some of the clients that like, that's, you know, we, we don't have a factory to tour, but, maybe uh, inviting some clients to to buy watches. Oh, absolutely. And it's not crazy. I mean, it's, you know, the flights were, you know, not cheap, but not insane. Mm-hmm. Hotels are certainly a lot less than New York. Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, I was, it was nice. It was a nice, you know, I was right there at the, staying at the Ritz and it was not crazy. Mm, nice. It was very nice. Must Great be restaurants. Nice, as they say. It was nice. 10 days hanging out in the Ritz, you know, oh, eating fancy sure dinner. 10 day. days. That's I was wild. there 10 days. Yeah. Well, I went wow. to the store and I wanted to meet, you know, this, we had some business meetings with the Siddiqui's and sure. there are partners there. So, uh, sure. you know, did a few days of business and then got right into it. But yeah, I was there 10 days. It was a nice to be out of the country for a while. Yeah. It's been a long yeah, time. That's right. Exactly. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get back to more of that. So, uh, awesome. Well, um, yeah, I mean this, I'm, I am unbelievably jealous. I mean, that's all I can say right now. <laughs> Everybody should be because it really was oh, that yeah. much fun, um, and just the the environment and the energy, um, really infectious. I mean, it's hard not to be sit there and love what you're doing, and you see these guys. Like even we met with the new owners of HYT, so they're okay. starting up again, um, and they're going to be launching it, in February. 
Aren't they even with Moser or, or am I nope. remembering that? Nope. Oh. Were they uh, right at one time? No. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought that, but all right, that's great. Yeah, they're, so they're going to be relaunching and, you know, still going to service all the old stuff. And they're mm-hmm. doing the uh, two new models that are going to be a little thinner. Um, so I was going to ask, are they making watches that are slightly more wearable? Because I, I love the idea of their watches. But, I mean, uh, well, now they're, they're definitely the price points have come up just across the board like everything else has. But, I mean, I remember like three or four years ago, you could buy one of their watches for like 20 cents on the dollar. Like it was just – like for less than what it cost to manufacture the watch is what they were trading for. It was, it was kind of embarrassing, I'd say. So I'm, I'm happy that they're coming back because they, they, you know, there's definitely a space for extremely unique watches, right? Um, especially that nowadays. Was, that was definitely what it was. And then, uh, you know, Max Buser was also, you know, was in the booth, did an interview with us, and was also hanging out, you know, pretty regularly. And you know, I just love what he does and some of the. You know, from the wacky to the legacy machines. I mean, he was just, you know, he's definitely a legend at this point as well. And it was fun oh, yeah. just being able to hang out and, you know, have a beer with him. Absolutely. Well, that's that's amazing. Well, listen, I appreciate you uh, you detailing this for me again. I just now I'm just jealous and like upset that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go. Thanksgiving was great, but the turkey wasn't that good. I should have went. <laughs> well, they promised me next year in, well, in two years that it's not going to be over Thanksgiving. So oh, okay, that's they've already move. got dates locked up. Will be the week before. So oh, okay, all right, cool. Well, maybe maybe Definitely I'll be able to get family there. too. That'll be fun. Uh, awesome. Well, listen, man, Joseph, I appreciate you. Uh, you, you spent some time to, to, to give us a little recap on this. And uh, I think uh, next week's episode is going to be an interesting one too. We're going to be talking about a little bit of the history of Watchbox in general, because we had some amazing news while you were gone as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of investment. In fact, I literally had a customer today say that, Hey, you know, he's selling us a paddock and there's a lot of buyers all basically around the same price point, but he felt felt most comfortable with us because of, you know, where we're at in the game and, and that, you know, the news of our investment kind of put them over the top. So I'm happy that we're, you know, we're definitely, if we're not the number one, we're, we're, uh, we're right there. Right. We're right so, there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's, it's fun it's, to it's see how exciting. bad it's happened. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. My, I, I, for one, I, for one, welcome our new boss, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm going to need you, uh, Mike, I'm going to need you to send me his phone number so I can get him on the podcast as well. So we can talk watches. <laughs> you and I will talk off. Quite a good that. watch collector, by the way. Oh man. Well, I, he's, he was wearing artwork before anybody. Anybody. You know? And he has a longer right. datagraph on a platinum bracelet that I'm dying. Oh for. my God. Yeah. Oh, no. Wow. Yep. Have you, wait, have you met him? I have not. Okay. I have not. All right. Well, yeah, we're, we got some big things brewing. So that's awesome. Man. Well, listen, I, I appreciate you, uh, uh, spending some time with me. Always and my pleasure. Thanks for having yeah. me. Oh, absolutely. So guys, if, uh, if you're listening, uh, we're 43 minutes in, if you're still listening, you're a champion. We love you. Um, <laughs> you can, you can reach me on Instagram at Mr. Thanos. Uh, I had a, quite a few after the last few weeks, guys reaching out, looking for advice on Panerai and other, other watch brands and whatnot. I'm happy to chat about that stuff. Mike, you're, uh, or you, you're at Mike underscore Mike Mangos, Mangos, right? Yep. yep exactly. Yep. All right, cool. It's a good way to uh, to get in touch with you, and uh, you you still have your weekly show, the Market Wrap, which you even yep. recorded in Dubai, in Dubai, which I appreciate. I appreciated that. That's that's my Saturday morning routine with uh, with my <laughs> daughter. We watch we we watch Manjos to find out what's happening in the market because I, I I got to figure out some way to figure to to get that info. Seeing as I'm not in the office, but uh, 
All right. And then um, otherwise, you know, YouTube, we're on, we have Watchbox Studios where you can find the uh, uh, the market wrap. You can also check out Watchbox Reviews where Tim is going to be uploading a, a crap load of videos. I know um, a bunch of videos he made when he was in, in Dubai. And uh, otherwise, uh, I know this was, we normally release on a Tuesday. This will be released uh, tomorrow morning on a Thursday, which hopefully people will forgive me. It's the holiday, kind of screwed things up. But uh, besides that, we'll be back to Tuesdays. And uh, and yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Talk okay. to you later. Thanks again. Take care, Justin. Adios. Take care. Bye. Bye.